Hello and welcome to another episode in the You're My Comms Era podcast and I'm your host Asif Chowdhury. Today my guest is Michelle Okordiafor who leads internal communication and engagement at Total Energies. Michelle is an advocate for representation and inclusion. Michelle founded her career in uh, founded Career Invest in 2020 with a vision to create an enabling environment for young people from underrepresented backgrounds through mentoring and career development opportunities. So thanks for joining me, Michelle, and it's great to welcome you as a guest on the podcast. Thank you, Asif. It's nice to be here. So as I like to do, we'll have a bit of a getting to know you session. Um, Michelle, so the audience and the listeners can get to know you a little bit more. So let's start off with, um, are you an early riser or do you love a lion? Honestly, I love a lion, but by not by choice, I'm an early riser because I have a four-year-old. So you know what that means, you know, having to wake up and, <laughs> you know, do breakfast and everything else. So yeah, I'm an <laughs> early riser, but not by choice. Okay. Are you, um, uh, are you a tea or a coffee drinker? Tea. Yes. Do you have a particular brand? Regular English tea, or sometimes, you know, in the cold season, then it's lemon and ginger. But yeah, I'm a tea You're person. Very fancy, yes. <laughs> Yorkshire tea is the unofficial brew of Coms Hero. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, we, yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't tried it, you need to try that. So let's ask you, as I do with most people, are you um, uh, Apple or Android? Android, but it looks like I'll be moving on to the Apple tree. Yeah, Android has served me all of these years, but I just I want to experience, yeah, the, the Apple magic now. Or <laughs> not. <laughs> most, people, most people tend to say, on certainly in comms roles and what have you, tend to be Apple. So you've, you've, uh, you've been on the dark side for a while then, Michelle, and you're coming back now to, <laughs> uh, to Apple. Okay, so uh, uh, final one. Do you, uh, or a couple more actually, do you... Um, prefer a printed book or an e-book a printed book yeah what's what's it about printed books that you like the most I guess it's because I I love books when I was much younger so it's that feeling of you know flipping through the pages of the book yeah. and then you know just having that like you know having the book and just not keeping it down because with an e-book you know it's like First of all, I may just get tired of the screen and then, you know, it's like 200 pages. I'm not going to be staring at 200 pages. I may not finish, but definitely with a book, I'm like, it's something physical. So, yeah. you know, it's something I can relate to more. Yeah. yeah. What's on your current reading list now? Is there anything you're, you're on with at the moment? No, definitely not. Not at the moment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. and do you tend, is it you prefer to read? Is it business books or fiction? What type of stuff do you tend to read? I read a mix of both. So for yeah. work, definitely, yeah. Like um, I would read business books, yeah. but for um, but for relaxation or fiction-wise, then um, yeah, I'm I'm reading all sorts. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could read just fiction books, but I, it's just always been kind of business-related text for me. Which um, I, I'm not a brilliant reader, so if I am reading, it's uh, I kind of struggle with fiction. So it's stuff that I can use at work or things like that so leadership marketing that tends to be the thing for me but yeah I wish I was um a, a great fiction reader but I, I would really struggle I've tried but I just can't get into it but anyway Michelle that's it's great to get to know a little bit more about you I've got to ask you a quick final one actually um Wordle have you jumped on the craze yet are you doing the Wordle game no not I haven't heard of it 
well, there you go. I can't, I'm so pleased I met somebody who hasn't heard of Wordle. Um, and there's quite a few people I've been asking. And although on Twitter it's very prevalent, um, most okay. people who aren't on Twitter don't tend to have played it. So there we go. That's 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 the Wordle question done and dusted. So, yeah, I, I will look it up. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the role of communicators uh, in building inclusive workplaces. And it's a subject that's very close to your um, heart, Michelle. So just tell us, um, you know, what do employees expect from their organisations now in 2022? Uh, it's an interesting question, really. And it's something that, you know, everyone would agree that the dynamic of the workplace has radically shifted from, let's even say, 2020 till, till now. So I know that quite a lot of employees, I think one of the major things people are looking for in any company is flexibility. So you would never have imagined, like, you know, back in the day, it was so difficult to even, you know, get companies to think about the concept of working from home. But if banks, if other big companies have done this, you know, somewhat successfully in the last two years, and that proves that that's something that can be done. So people are looking for flexibility because as employees, we have more than our work and you know we have our family lives we have everything else so people want to be able to you know probably dictate how they work you know and not necessarily come into the office because we've successfully done without that people are also looking for um you know well-being and well-being you know encompasses a lot so financial well-being you know we're talking about things around you know paying you know adequate remuneration um, you know, asking for a pay rise where, where possible. Also going to companies who can pay them, you know, who can match their skill set. Again, people are also looking for, you know, like social well-being. So is the company doing anything to create, you know, engagement among colleagues? You know, yeah. uh, people are looking for like, you know, career well-being. So what kind of, how's my company advancing my progress in terms of, you know, training, professional development? Uh, people are also looking for like you know physical and mental well-being so are there any like you know employee assistance programs are there like physical programs like do you support like maybe the company has you know some some benefits set aside to support like you know your gym membership that kind of thing so i think in 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 its entirety people are looking for that well-being can my company provide this aside the work that i'm doing or in or rather in exchange for the work that i'm doing for them and then again, people are also looking for that sense of belonging. So again, you know, with with all the backlash from 2020, looking at all the racial protests in the US and then coming coming down to the UK, people are demanding, you know, that sense of belonging. They want to work. They, they no longer want to really they want to be able to bring their authentic selves to work. If if I if I'm allowed to use that that phrase, you know, bringing your yeah. authentic selves to work. Yeah. So they want an environment that enables them to come as they are, an environment that, you know, that they belong in. So people are not looking like you, you can walk into an environment or, you know, speak to people and say, this organization is not right for me because I don't think that one, they're diverse enough or two, they offer these opportunities that allow me to feel like I'm a part of the company. So, yeah, in answer to your question, if I say top three things, it's flexibility, it's well-being and that sense of belonging for yeah. where I stand. In. Yeah. And, and do you think this those things... Uh, those kind of requirements from employees and colleagues in today's uh, environment, have they led to or been part of the great resignation, this phenomena that seems to be sweeping all these kinds of conversations? 
definitely, definitely, they've led to that great resignation because the thing is, for a long time, maybe people have been unhappy, but they've been managing at their jobs or just, you know, either stuck in jobs they don't like, stuck in positions that they've grown past. And then, you know, with all of the reawakening that came with the pandemic and everything else around around that period, people began to question, give people time to think, you know, what do I want from a workplace? What do I want from my career? Because I'm sure you'd have noticed that as well. Quite a number of people have switched careers within this period. What do I want from my career? What career path can I pursue? So it's kind of like, yeah. you know, this reawakening, people deciding, you know, this is the kind of environment I want to work in. This is the kind of job I want to do. This is, you know, how I would like to work. And all of these things were impossible before now. So that's why it's led people to say, you know, I'm, you know, what, what, what more could go wrong? I will take a risk and, you know, pursue what it is that I really, really want. Yeah. And why is, why do you feel is inclusion important as part of all of this? Because we spend, you know, say 90% or 80% of our day at work, it's important to work in an environment that one, you're happy to be there. And two, an environment that actually feels, you know, makes you feel like you're, you're, you're a part of that environment. So when you come somewhere and, you know, because work is not just about the work you do, like, you know, the work you deliver, the projects you manage. It's also about the environment. So you hear people talking about a work environment being toxic, a work environment not being friendly, a work environment not supporting career progression. All of these kind of things make people feel excluded. And if you're somewhere that you're excluded, then you are probably not going to perform at your at your best. So you would need yeah, to work in an environment. Yeah, you need to work in an environment that not only encourages you, but actually brings out the best in you. So like a supportive environment, an environment that makes you feel included and an environment that you're actually proud to work in, because that's one thing. If if all of these things are missing and then you'd, you'd realize that delivering the work is not just all that there is to it. So, yeah, inclusion is really, really important. That, yeah, and when we, yeah. yeah, and when we've spoken before, you you've mentioned that leadership buy-in is key to successful inclusion uh, inclusion cultures. So, how can communicators lead on the hard conversations and influence those very leaders in their organisation? Yeah. An interesting one because you know I think the view from the top a lot of times is definitely different. So while you may think you know everything looks rosy or people you know people can't have those conversations with 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 their leaders it's important as communicators especially like if you're working in an internal communications function to actually um have those hard conversations and how do you start those conversations it's really based on facts so you know if you're talking about diversity for example like this organization is not diverse it's bringing the facts to them so say maybe in a population of 500 for example you know just an odd 20 people are not diverse. So how do we how do we begin to include or recruit people who are from a diverse background? So it's you know coming to leadership one with those hard facts. So it's also looking at organizations in similar positions that have um organizations that have kind of crossed this hurdle or organizations that are actually doing it and looking at the benefits. So that's something else, another point that you can use to to support this conversation with leaders. Again, it's looking at feedback internally. So what are people saying? You know, sometimes, you know, from the top, like I said, we feel like everything is fine. We have the policies in place. What maybe people are complaining. People are saying we don't have enough flexibility. We don't feel like, you know, 
there are enough groups that cater to our needs. Like, you know, um, we, we need to like embrace certain celebrations so people don't feel like they, they're full, that they come to work. So they, they, these things can come out from like poll surveys or, or, you know, poll surveys or employee surveys, you know, what do people actually think? So it's using this fact to convince leadership that first of all, there is an issue, you understand? So letting them see, because otherwise it feels like from the top, everything may look great. We've put all of these things in place, but what are the people saying? That's an important factor to use to create or to start that conversation and then to push for change or improvement, you know, with these things that people are talking about. Yeah, so and it sounds like from what you've said there that the creation of that inclusive culture requires an all-hands-on-deck approach. So how can communicators support employee resource groups then to do that? The first thing is actually understanding what employee resource groups may be needed. So sometimes in organizations, the, the groups may not even exist. Or if they exist, these groups may not be empowered to actually do their work. So when I mean empowered, like have they been trained? So if it's if it's a communications function, for example, if it's something around, you know, helping resource groups to communicate. So if just just an example say you have a diversity and inclusion group or women's group and you know we need people to actually because if they're not doing any work or they're not engaging with with other colleagues then you know the group might not as well exist so it's like saying you know what is the aim of this group promoting it one so helping them communicate then driving adoption or engagement so they need members right they need people to if, if a group has been created you need people to drive it you need people to attend so that that change can be made so it's driving adoption again through communication and engagement so like maybe a series of campaigns to support that and then of course amplifying whatever it is that they're doing so if, you know, a women's network has said in this year, we've probably done something for International Women's Day. We've had a workshop. We've done all of this is letting people know. So how do you communicate back to the business that this is what we're doing and this is the impact? And also getting, you know, feedback from across like, you know, is this helping? How has this, you know, how has this um, training or this workshop or this, you know, policy whatever it is how has it helped so it's helping you know helping them communicate helping drive engagement within the group and of course amplifying whatever it is that um you know these groups are doing because it's quite important if employee resource groups aren't supported people will feel like you know after all this is in my day job or you know people aren't engaging and then it defeats the purpose of why they were created in the first place so it's really helping them you know with that um, amplification and of course engagement because it's really really key if you can't if you can't get the buy-in of other colleagues if you're not you know if you're not doing anything you don't have a planned series of events or activities then these groups may not be you know really successful and of course it's also measuring because at the at the end of the day we want to see the impact of these groups on employees because people have you know people have argued for example that you know maybe women are underrepresented or we don't have enough people of color you know or we don't have um you know if it's like an lgbt group we don't have a group you know specifically catering to those yeah. needs so if these groups exist it's now time to you know actually help them define what their objectives are you know, get get engagement and buy-in from staff who can relate to this and even from allies as well, because it's not only, you know, if it's something for women, doesn't mean that it's only women that should be in the group. We should actually also have 
men in the employee resource group because a lot of the things they will be complaining about it's you know when you go out to the wider organization it's 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 everyone needs to be educated so it's you know amplifying the events and activities and then you know also reporting feedback and measuring progress because that's the only way if it's if it's change we want if you want to change that system it's understanding where we've come from you know where we're, what progress we're making and then just amplifying that and just so that you know uh, management knows about this and the employee groups can strengthen and actually drive change over a period of time. Yeah, great. And then, so uh, how how does one go about supporting the line managers to create this culture of inclusion that we've kind of been talking about? Okay, so like, like everyone says, if you're talking about an inclusive environment, you're talking about an enabling environment. And the view from the top, like I said, could be could very oftentimes be detached. So we think everything is okay. We've launched this policy. We've done this, so everything should be fine. But actually, like you know, a key group of people who people maybe overlook are, are the line managers because if I have a problem, you don't expect that I'm going to say the chief executive first of all. I'm probably going to my line manager. And if my line manager is not empowered to have those conversations, then what is the point? So in supporting line managers, I think one will be supporting them around, you know, you know, whatever training it is that may come up, you know, and then helping them have, you know, having conversations with them, one, to have these difficult conversations, you know, with, with staff, you know, what may come up, pointing them to the right resources, because line managers are not ultimately God. But then again, if they know where to find, you know, the resources to support their employees, then this will be quite critical. And also getting their feedback, you know, like how, you know, getting their feedback, getting them to engage, and getting them, you know, especially when, like, you know, you have all of these surveys saying that, you know, this is what people say. Because I know a, a key question in employee surveys, people always want to find out, you know, does my line manager support me? What can my line manager do better? So it's understanding that this is an important demographic and, you know, working with them and working with all of these groups to make sure that they're supported, they understand, and then they can actually engage with, you know, with employees when these issues come up. And so this is a, a, a great journey into creating that inclusive workplace. And you'll obviously have a, an organisation as a starting point. Mm -hmm. But it's important to ensure that there is progress, that that it's measured, because usually that, that old adage, uh, what gets measured gets done. So mm -hmm. how would you actually measure the progress of that, you know, this this whole inclusive workplace environment that you've looked to try and create and tell us how you'd measure it one of the ways definitely there's a, a, a quantitative and qualitative measurements so if we're looking for example at you know setting up resource groups or setting up it's at the end of the day saying how many of these did we so we can actually count the number of things or the number of initiatives we we, we created the part really in measurements is it's more of a behavioral thing so if we look at you know measuring like um measure it but over time we can get a sense of feeling so again it's feedback as well so feedback from from people you complained about this you know maybe like you know people raised issues about this particular thing and now we've done this is this helping you so again it's getting those genuine answers um I think surveying is one of one of the great parts. Again, another part is also engagement. So, you know, feed, feeding back and then also reporting, because we want to know at the end of the day, 
what has happened in the different areas because it's not just one specific area you're working on. Like I mentioned, there may be so there may be so many things. You know, you're looking at um, diversity, you're looking at increasing representation. So it's like maybe, for example, going to the HR department and finding out, you know, how many, how did we increase our, our hiring pool this year? You know, getting that information. Also, you know, from from maybe uh, if you're looking within, like, you know, how many promotions, how many internal promotions did we get? How many of these kind of things? So it's, you know, putting all of that together and actually creating some form of internal report so that year on year we can begin to see progress, you know, in these different areas that have been identified in the organization, because it's quite key. Like you have those facts, you have those figures, and importantly, you have feedback so that we know that, you know, are these things being implemented for employees? Is it being received well? What are people saying? How is there any change and eventually, like year on year, you would probably see that, you know, if you see figures rising or figures dipping, it will probably also reflect on the behavior or the culture within that organization. So it's really important to, like, you know, measure, you know, give quantifiable targets saying, you know, we should host this, we should set this up. And then at the end of, you know, a certain point, which would probably be like a year, having having a review period to see how far we've come and what progress still needs to be made. Yeah, some really great insight for people and i'm sure the listeners will have taken a lot of um, tips if they're not doing this at the moment but also the ones that are doing will hopefully be nodding in agreement when they're listening back to this podcast and all those um, great points that you've mentioned there michelle so thank you for sharing all that information with us and the listeners so can you tell us you're here on the comms era podcast so why is comms era important as a community and would you recommend people working in comms and marketing to be part of it so I always say that community is everything because as comms professionals, we can't work alone. It's good to, you know, hear other people's experiences, share insights and to connect as well. So I look in, in, at previous um, episodes of the podcast. I've, you know, I some of your guests, I know some of them. Some others, you know, I've probably just been inspired and then I go and follow them on LinkedIn. So I believe that Comms Hero is doing a great job in uniting comms professionals in in, in shining a light on, you know, important topical issues and just generally as a good resource for people to come and say, you know what, I can listen to this and just, you know, learn a thing or two or or actually see that, you know, what the challenge I'm facing is not new. Other people are facing it. And just generally hear yeah. from other professionals. I think community is really great. It's really key in anything we're doing. And um, Comms Hero is doing a fantastic job at that. Thank you, Michelle. That's much appreciated. And um I really appreciate all the time you've given for this interview and it's a lot of fascinating insight for people to take away from this uh, and I yeah. know the Comzero listeners will enjoy that so uh, you mentioned about connecting with people that you have done that after they've listened to the podcast I'm pretty sure people will want to connect with you after they've listened to you on this episode as well so where can they find you how can they connect with you? I'm mostly on LinkedIn and um, I'm there as Michelle Okudiafo so you can find me on LinkedIn um, again, I have a website, which is um, careerinvest.co.uk, so you can find me there as well. And then on Instagram, I'm also at career underscore invest, um, yeah, where I share my insights, especially for young women of colour, so talking about personal branding and communicating confidently. Yeah. Excellent. So I urge everyone to get on to uh, Insta and LinkedIn and connect with Michelle and uh, start start a conversation. 
So you'll find this podcast on Spotify, Apple, and on our website, comzero.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at comzero. If you are listening, please leave us a rating and review. Your feedback is important to us. And um, if there's any suggestions on topics, guests, or how we can improve the podcast, please either DM at comzero or myself at Asif Chowdhury on Twitter, or you can get me on LinkedIn, Asif Chowdhury. And this episode is sponsored by Blink the world's first enterprise app designed exclusively for frontline workers. And for more details, visit their website, joinblink.com. So, Michelle, it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Sis.